Welcome to a brand new show on WJR called Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Ann Kraft, the Senior Director of Outreach at Michigan Virtual. And Ann, I am really looking forward to co-hosting this show with you. I am as well, Ann. Thank you. And on this edition of the show, Ann, what are we going to tell our listeners about? Well, this show will introduce listeners to Michigan Virtual and the role it plays in the education landscape before, during, and looking forward to after the pandemic. Now a year into the pandemic that has completely disrupted the education system, we're going to talk about lessons learned and highlight a school that has successfully navigated these challenges to support their educators and students. Stay tuned. A very interesting show coming up after these messages. brand new show on WJR called Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas, and I'm here with my co-host, Ann Kraft, and Ann is the Senior Director of Outreach at Michigan Virtual, and I am really looking forward to doing this show with you. I'm very much looking forward to it as well. Tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself. Well, I've been with Michigan Virtual for about six years working in the outreach department and helping coordinate our um, outreach for school partnerships and any other services that we um, coordinate for marketing and outreach to our stakeholders. And you've brought along a very special guest, someone you know very well, Jamie Fitzpatrick, the president and CEO of Michigan Virtual. Jamie, it's nice to meet you. Well, thank you for having us. And I'm going to let you two kind of get things started. So, Anne, take it away from here. Okay, thank you. Michigan Virtual has been around since 1998, and I think a lot of people would be surprised to hear that a virtual education company has been around that long. Can you tell us a little bit about the history of Michigan Virtual? You know, it, it has been a long time, but boy, has it gone by fast. You know, we got our start really helping adults around the state trying to stay current with their job skills. We provided some very early on training online uh, courses in healthcare and manufacturing and tourism and even the automotive industry um, starting in 1998 uh, as a way to help with our workforce development in Michigan. In 2000, we were asked by the governor and the legislature to really try to leverage the power of the internet to help our K-12 system. And I will tell you that since 2004, We've been focused exclusively on, on trying to help schools address educational gaps with online courses for middle school and high school kids, online professional development services for educators. And our last focus is on research. Uh, we are a nonprofit uh, organization. We also operate the Michigan Virtual Learning Research Institute. And I would say in addition to using uh, certified Michigan educators to teach our online courses, one of the things that makes us unique and not kind of like a vendor is that we really exist to experiment, you know, research, and help others innovate. I know what I was doing back in 1998 and what the internet was like. Can you tell us a little bit how um, technology has changed learning and kind of how the mission of the organization has changed to go along with that? Yeah, I, I think back to a, a call I received from a really, really angry parent back in 2002, and this this dad was calling from the Upper Peninsula, 
his daughter was taking a science course from us, I think a biology course, and he was just furious. The family had a dial-up modem, and I'm sure a lot of people don't even know what a modem is today. <laughs> but it took 45 minutes for this young lady to download an audio message from one of our teachers. And she did a little, I don't know, 30-second audio file. It was like, hi, I'm married. I have two children. I graduated from Central Michigan. You know, I like fishing, traveling, you know. And it had nothing to do with the course. It was just for the teacher to kind of introduce themselves to the kids. And uh, unfortunately, mom and dad had to make a long-distance phone call to get to the internet. And so I would say that um, those early courses were largely text-based. They didn't include what we would refer to now as rich media. So no video, no audio, no real-time communications, no simulations. Um, so a lot has changed. And the, the, obviously the mobile aspect, the wireless aspect has been you know phenomenal. Our mission was really focused initially on equity and, you know, there's a lot of talk today about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And I was tell you back in 2000, and that's the year that we launched our first online courses for students, 45% of Michigan high schools didn't offer a single advanced placement course. And I think that year we rolled out, I don't know, 15 or 16 courses um, statewide. So really giving all kids access to that, that challenging curriculum. In addition to equity, I would say that our, our mission is really broadened to include building the capacity of of schools to implement their own local online and blended learning programs. So lots of change in the last 20 years. I know that we talk about um, how our first courses were delivered on a, a CD to school districts, and we were trying to give them away to um, <laughs> to get people to just try it. And now we're in a very different situation. So speaking of being in a different situation, um, the pandemic has created a massive disruption in the way we educate our children. It's been a very difficult year. There have been a lot of challenges that educators have faced, that parents have faced, that students have faced. Given that disruption, what do you think the big questions are moving forward in education? Well, I'd like to think that one question is going to go away real quickly, and that is the what question. What what do we need to think about as it relates to the future? And focus really more of our time and effort on the how. I, I think the pandemic has really demonstrated uh, that we need to provide some level of flexibility for, for our students. And I, and I know that there has been a ton of learning loss. You know, far too many children have experienced unpleasant educational experiences as a result of this. But we also know that some families and their kids have excelled in this remote learning environment. And even if it's only five, eight, nine, ten percent of the kids, you know, we've got 1.5 million kids in the state of Michigan. So if you figure that remote learning is working for, let's say, five, ten percent of the kids, that's 75 to 150,000 kids. So let's let's move away from the what. The what is we need to provide more flexibility. We need to think about meeting the unique needs of every student. And that likely is going to be a mix of face-to-face, -face, online, and blended, you know, incorporating both the online and the face-to-face. -face. And uh, get, get away from what, because we... The technology is here. We've really, out of necessity, demonstrated that certain things can be done that many in the system thought were really undoable. And so, you know, there are some good things that are going to come from the pandemic. So what do you think the biggest challenges to achieving that flexibility is? You know, I would say three things. Um, I mentioned the, the parent who called that was really irate back in 2000 or so. 
Infrastructure is still an issue. We still have parts of our state that are not wired, uh, that don't have access to the internet conveniently or affordably. So that, that has not gone away. We've made huge strides, but we still have a problem there. I think one of our other big challenges is just a mindset. You know, moving away from a recognition that that one size fits all kind of approach for our children, just it isn't. It never did work. We go back twenty years, thirty years. Um, it just it's never. We've never had a system that served all kids equally. So we need to move into that mindset of providing some flexibility. And then I would say the last is really support systems, support structures. And I think the teachers that have found. Um, that had to move online and, and teach remote. They know that there are need for support structures around these kids, uh, whether that's personal tutoring, whether it's mentoring support, whether it's just technical assistance with the computers and using the software tools that we're using. So I, I think those are the three, infrastructure, mindset, and supports around our kids and our teachers for that matter. What types of supports do you think that teachers need in particular? Training is huge. You know, I. I had a back injury when I was in high school and my mom and dad, for whatever reason, took me to a chiropractor and, uh, and then, then to an orthopedic surgeon. And when the surgeon found out that I had gone to a chiropractor, you, you would have thought I'd gone to the witch doctor. <laughs> and, and unfortunately, I think that there are many in the education system who have looked at online learning kind of the way the medical profession looked at chiropractic care 20, 30 years ago. And now obviously chiropractic care is, is a mainstream that, you know, a lot of people enjoy the benefits of. I think we need to recognize uh, that the world has changed and we need to look at how we prepare teachers. And instead of just thinking about somebody teaching in a 900 square foot classroom, we need to give them the training and the skills to teach in those different kinds of environments. What would you say has been the most important lesson learned as a leader during this level of a disruption in learning? Wow. You have learned lots of lessons, but I Actually, this one's probably simple for me. I would just say stay focused on what's possible and embrace a mindset of continuous improvement. I I literally laugh when I look back at what we were doing with online courses 20 years ago. <laughs> we had more questions than answers. We had limitations. We made mistakes. We got frustrated. It would have been easy to quit. And I know a lot of teachers around the state probably feel that way after a year plus of remote teaching. But we tried to learn from everything we did. We're still not perfect, but we have assembled more than 20 years of expertise in this space, and we stand ready to continue to help Michigan schools step into the future. And, you know, Jamie Fitzpatrick, president and CEO of Michigan Virtual, before I let you go, it sounds like one of your key messages is that online learning should be an important tool in a teacher's, in an educator's toolbox. Absolutely, and it's, this, is, this is not going away. It doesn't work equally well for all kids, but for some kids, it will be a path to success and helping them reach their full potential. Jamie Fitzpatrick, it was great to meet you. Thank you for being on this first show. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Jamie. And you are listening to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. We'll be back right after this. listening to a great new show here on WJR called Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Ann Kraft, 
And Anne, we now are going to talk a little bit with Dr. Shannon Smith. She is the Senior Director of Student Learning for Michigan Virtual. And Dr. Shannon Smith, it is great to meet you. Thank you for having me. It's nice to meet you as well. So I'm turning these interviews over to my co-host, Anne Kraft, because obviously the two of you work together and I need to learn a little bit more about this, but I will be chiming in in a bit. So Anne, take it away from here. Okay, thank you. Shannon, good to see you as always. You too. Um, we have been talking or we want to talk about the differences between emergency remote learning and high quality virtual learning. And I know there's been a lot of discussion and debate about this um, throughout the last year, especially due to the pandemic. So when we shifted to emergency remote teaching and learning last um, March, I guess it was, um, how is that different than a high quality virtual learning experience. Can you kind of break that down for us a little bit? Yeah, um, as as we moved into the emergency teaching timeframe last last spring, we, we saw that that teachers were having to flex and uh, pivot their their teaching right away and didn't have the um, training, the uh, background to to move into that format in that time frame. So um, teachers who have been teaching face-to-face and had limited experience in an online environment or with blended learning uh, were forced into that situation and had to uh, adapt as they went. And um, it, it's, it's much different than a uh, online program that was developed intentionally to be delivered in that format, which often includes a, um, uh, a curriculum that's designed for that environment, uh, for the engagement that needs to take place between teachers and students. Uh, in addition, teachers who are, are teaching in an online environment uh, should be receiving training to, to meet the needs of students. Uh, that, that It's not vastly different. Uh, uh, good teaching is good teaching, regardless of the format. But it it does pro- there are some unique challenges that you have to overcome, and so receiving additional support and training um, is important to accomplishing that. I know that one of the things that we've talked about um, all year, really, in this shift to remote learning, is that building relationships with students is really important. How is that different in an online environment than it is in a face-to-face classroom? I'm glad that you brought that up because one of the things that I've reflected on over my years in in having been an online teacher, that's how I I got started in this field, I didn't realize, and many teachers don't realize, the types of relationships that you can develop in an online environment, but it does take some different skills. So in a face-to-face environment, you're going to see a student who comes into your class, maybe they're sullen, or you can tell by the, the... emotion that is on their face, that there's something going on and that that you need to to make some connections there. In an online environment, you lose that luxury. And so it is 
critical for online teachers to be maintaining ongoing communications with their students um, to have opportunities not just to email them but many of our our Michigan virtual teachers utilize texts um, we found that students don't necessarily like making phone calls um, but they like texting and so um, we've taken advantage of, of utilizing that as a tool to connect with students um, but it's it's kind of over communicating to make sure that the student knows that that you're there that you care um, that you want to hear from them uh, we actually have found that some of the students who may not come out of their shells in a traditional environment do come out of their shells in the online environment and they they feel a different level of connection um, maybe because it's not like right in their face they don't have to share some um you know sensitive um issues with a, a teacher face to face but they can do that more in an online format so uh it, it's definitely a critical aspect in in online in the online environment is to build those relationships i can't tell you how many articles i've read about how the pandemic has actually been good for introverts <laughs> in a lot in a lot of ways and they've thrived in this um, remote work environment and for students in that remote learning environment as Jamie mentioned um, so if, if someone is not familiar with an online course versus an online experience over zoom what do you think the biggest differences in those two types of models um, are so I think one of the, the pieces that, that we should clarify early on is the difference between synchronous and asynchronous. So a synchronous environment means that you're live. Um, right now, we're, we're speaking to each other in a synchronous environment. We are all on at the same time, uh, engaging in the same conversation. Um, Asynchronous means that you could be participating in a conversation, but at a different time, in a different place, in a different, um, even a, a different time zone than, than somebody else. And so you're, you're having access to the same materials, but you're not engaging at the same time. And so one of the things that we saw over the, uh, during the emergency learning period is that schools pivoted and felt like the only way to, to bridge the gap of learning was to provide entirely synchronous, you know, full six to seven hour days of, of synchronous learning. And we found and we learned about this, you know, Zoom fatigue that students were experiencing being online all, all day long. Um, and so this year, we, we started to see more schools embrace the, the concept of asynchronous learning and blending the, the opportunities to do some synchronous and some asynchronous um, and, and allowing students that flexibility. I, I think Jamie mentioned flexibility and and that really is key to, to learning in this environment. Okay, good, thank you. So I'm imagining, I mean, I was a teacher, seems like a million years ago now, but uh, I was a teacher about 21 years ago was when I left the classroom. And I know that during teacher training, you are trained for that face-to-face -face environment and kind of what your role is as the teacher and really being the imparter of knowledge and setting curriculum and, and whatnot. How do you think the role has changed to today? But then more importantly, how has it changed through the pandemic? So I would 
say that over the last decade, we've seen a, a general movement in education away from, and I'm gonna use some old adages here, but away from sage on the stage to guide on the side. Mm -hmm. um, and that is part and parcel um, to including some of those elements of online learning. We, we talk a lot at Michigan Virtual about blended learning, which is taking aspects of your face-to-face -face environment and aspects of an online environment and blending them together. So for example, a, a teacher may, and like you mentioned, share or present a lesson. And maybe as part of that lesson, that the teacher moves the students into some group discussions. And then for the, the kind of formative part of that assessment, there's a piece that they do in an online environment, some online tool, whether it continues that group discussion, whether it's a, there's some survey tools, um, maybe there is a, a flip grid where the student is recording their own voice and submitting something to the, the teacher digitally, but it, it provides an opportunity to utilize both environments. And so we've, we've seen that, that transition happening over the years. And I think it's been accelerated by the pandemic, uh, allowing teachers to have that, that flexibility. If they were working you know, in a hybrid situation where they had face-to-face -face students in front of them, and they have a group of online students that is also working um, in, in the same classroom, that bridges some of those, ga those gaps of learning between the two groups so that they can still feel like they are participating together. Okay. I know that um, internally to Michigan Virtual, we talk a lot about how using blended learning can really personalize an experience for students and can personalize not just the experience, but the, the learning um, activities or um, the assessments or the experiences they have in order to learn the material. Can you talk a little bit more about that? So, in, in my, I'll, I'll take my example a little further. So we, we have this you know, group activity happening in the classroom where, where the teacher's observing those group interactions. But as a teacher, I wanna see what did those individual students take from those group discussions? And so having them contribute a piece in, in let's say a, a Flipgrid where they're submitting it in an online, that blended piece, then I get to see that student share directly with me in a private setting that isn't in front of their other classmates where they might maybe feel embarrassed to ask a question or um, may hesitate to ask a question, they can, they can do that in that, that format. So then I, as a teacher, um, can utilize that feedback that I'm, I'm taking from my students and be able to uh, reflect that in my, my teaching the next day, provide some intervention if inter intervention is needed on a group or a, an individual student basis. So you know if a student is struggling or if they have got the material and are ready to move on and can either uh, personalize that to the student or to a group of students who may need help in the same areas. Absolutely. Awesome. Absolutely. Um, the other piece that I would just add is that we see that also in, in an online environment when we move away from some of those synchronous, like all the class has to meet at the same time, when we move away from that and we give some flexibility to utilize either asynchronous opportunities or some breakout sessions, then we can also engage the teacher in being able to do some personalized um, support for, for, class, uh, for the students in the class. 
Dr. Shannon Smith, Senior Director of Student Learning for Michigan Virtual. Thank you for the great behind-the-scenes explanation of what really goes on at Michigan Virtual. Just a really nice job. Thank you. Thank you. And you are listening to a brand new show on WJR. It's called Learning Matters. It's presented by Michigan Virtual. And the conversation will continue in just a few minutes. Hello, everyone. I'm Ann Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Ann Kraft, and you are listening to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. And Ann, our next guest on Learning Matters is Kristen Flynn. Kristen Flynn is the Executive Director of Student Achievement at Caledonia Community Schools and the former Executive Director of Student Services at Michigan Virtual. And Kristen, it's great to have you on the show. It's nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, Ann. Thanks for having me. And I'm going to turn this over to my co-host, who's got lots, and I mean lots, of great (laughs) questions for you. I'm ready. I do have lots of great questions. Kristen, welcome. Thank you. Um, You know, obviously, we used to work together. Our last day in the office last year was the day before we all had to go into lockdown for uh, quarantine. So Kristen was starting a new job at Caledonia Community Schools, and all of a sudden, boom, the world changed. (laughs) So she had a a big job ahead of her um, to do that. So Kristen, what was it like starting out a new job in a district right at the beginning of a pandemic? Yeah, a little chaotic, as you can imagine. Um, Yeah, so uh, I was supposed to start in mid-April, so take a little time off between jobs. And obviously, when the pandemic hit, I was asked to join, I think March 30th was my first day. And uh, what was really challenging in starting a new job in the pandemic is that I hadn't met I've met very few people in the district. So working with a large district of administrators, um, you know, we have five elementaries and two middle schools, a high school and all these teachers. um, I hadn't built trust and relationships with people. And so you're then getting uh, online, you're in a Zoom call and you're calling people together for meetings and you're trying to figure this online learning, this remote remote pandemic teaching, I guess, and learning figure it out remotely uh, without having established relationships. So we had to do some unique things that I'm sure I'll get a chance to talk about in order to build some trust with people to uh, to get them to move forward to do these crazy things that we did uh, starting last March. Sure. So what were some of the crazy things you did? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, we st- I started with f- just trying to figure out, like, what, what could I do differently to uh, build trust? And we started with a daily video. So every morning I would get in front of my uh computer like this and I would do a video update of where things were from the day before because we had put in some 12 and 14 hour days and and so the first thing in the morning I'd get up super early and I'd record and say here's what's going to happen here's teachers what you need to know here's a link here's and it was all in one spot uh, where teachers could go and find all the information in the videos and people that were on it was the week of spring break so people were on spring break so we put them in a place where if you decided to take a break you could come back and, and get all that information and it was everything from what we were going to do in terms of communication with teachers so they could collaborate together remotely to how we were going to communicate with families to what what the student learning experience was going to look like to what administrators were available and uh, going to support each you know different teams elementary secondary etc uh, to how the technology was going to work and how teachers could get training 
either watch a video or get one-on-one -on -one support um, from a coach who maybe was further along in the journey of, of um, teaching online or uh, just where to get resources and access to content that teachers were going to be having to utilize via Google Classroom. So basically, you had to do what you were going to be asking all of your teachers to do <laughs> with their students is, is build that that trust online. That is so, yes. Yes, correct. Yes. Well, you were kind of uniquely positioned to be able to do that as your former position of executive director of student learning. So how did how did what you knew from working at Michigan Virtual transfer to helping your school um, make that transition? Yeah, good question. Um, you know, I was thankful to find out that when I got here that the ninth through 12th grade um, students for 15 years, our district had had online opportunities for students, both at the district level and the uh, through Michigan Virtual, um, and also at our IS or intermediate school district. Uh, we didn't have very many K-8 opportunities, however, and so having had the experience at Michigan Virtual, I knew uh, the quality of uh, the, the team. I knew the, the um, interactions that Michigan Virtual has with other state virtual schools around the nation. I knew the research and best practices that are that are highlighted and um, and and utilized, uh, operationalized there. And so that was my first call was to the t team there to say, hey, uh, you know, are you able to help us, as Jamie mentioned earlier, you know, just build um, some capacity of our own staff to be able to stand up a quality program, knowing that we had very limited time and resources to do it. Uh, so um, I think it just, it allowed me to help um, people who maybe didn't have experience in online learning get a perspective of, you know, online teaching is not just throwing some, some, some PDF documents and videos online. It is about, as Shannon mentioned, also building relationships and making sure you understand how to use the technology and connecting with students and um, figuring out ways to engage with them differently than you might do in a face-to-face -face setting. So I, I really appreciated being able to uh, put into practice everything I had been a part of uh, with an amazing team at Michigan Virtual for five years prior. So I, I know we use um, what's called a learning management system and that's where kind of all of the online lessons are housed, assessments, et cetera. Did your district have an LMS in place uh, before the pandemic? We did not. And during the pandemic uh, season, we decided to be consistent with Google Classroom um, for uh, across the board. Um, so every teacher had that. And then we had um, systems in place for all the teachers to collaborate in a Google Classroom um, so that they could all work, all third grade teachers could work together, all English department teachers could work together um, and share what they were learning as they were um, embarking on this journey. Um, but what we've discovered in when we started this fall and we had more intentional time over the summer, we, we um, utilize Michigan Virtual, your learning management system with content, but our teachers were teaching courses so we could be flexible to, to be pivoting whether we were teaching face-to-face -face in a hybrid setting or fully online. What we've also found too is that using, you know, a, 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 an option like Michigan Virtual is that uh, there were things that our teachers started to become really comfortable with. They're like, can we do this? Can we do this? Can we do this? And obviously, you know, you have to lock it down in a certain way for your use. So we actually are looking at our own learning management system to be able to allow flexibility mm -hmm. um, of some of the things that the teachers now want to do and have learned since they uh, they embarked upon this. So we will be standing up our own uh, K-12 learning management system this coming year after yeah. that that journey from Google Classroom to uh, through, you know, the Michigan Virtual Learning Management System to our own. 
Would you say that um, the educators in your district are excited about being able to teach in both an online and a face-to-face format? Yeah, for sure. I, I mean, I, I would think it depends on the level. I think our high school staff had a much different experience. We we put a survey out um, about how many students were looking to be online, and we had about 5 to 10% of our population of students. What ended up happening was a few weeks into school, we ended up being put on full online from the health department. And so that didn't work. <laughs> the plan mm-hmm. was to have teachers have a fully face-to-face classroom with 5 to 10% of their students online using Michigan Virtual Learning Management System and content. And it ended up being 33% of our students um, mm-hmm. ended up being fully online after that week of quarantine. So um, that was a different model. And it, it, it was a challenge for our teachers because many of them were, were uh, managing more students online than they were actually managing face-to-face at the secondary level. And at the elementary level, um, we used a third-party vendor and teachers um, with a local mentor. So it made it a little bit challenging because it was the differences were we, you know, we didn't have a direct connection of what student progress was happening on a weekly basis of a third-grade student uh, online versus one face-to-face. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the other reasoning why we're moving to our own learning management system to be able to uh, make sure that the curriculum is aligned, that the gaps are more noticed if students, let's say at the semester, decide, hey, I've been face-to-face and for whatever reason, I need to go, you know, remote learning, uh, health reasons or whatever. We want to make sure that we're more in line. We know exactly where students are. We're able to uh, track the progress and uh, be able to, you know, intervene much sooner than we could do during this, you know, pandemic remote learning. Sure. How how um, important was it for you to have access to quality curricular um, resources? Like, tell me a little bit about that process, because I know a lot of or all school districts have an approved curriculum. So sure. how did that kind of play into your decision making? Well, again, having the background in Michigan Virtual, I know, you know, your, your courses are, you know, accredited and NCAA approved. And you have to think about accessibility for all students, you know, every learning uh, challenge that students may face. And so there was a there was a uh, no question at the secondary level what we wanted to do. There's very few quality resources, in my opinion, and from what we've observed and, and uh, utilized at the elementary level. And so that was more of a challenge because um, we had some things vetted through our intermediate school district that, um, you know, a team of people put together. And I think they just discovered that there wasn't a lot of quality options. And, you know, at that level of a, a second grader, for instance, or a first grader, you know, where they're just learning to read. I mean, we need to make sure that we're able to do that remotely and having a team of teachers uh, trained appropriately for those kinds of skills look much different than a student working, as Shannon mentioned, asynchronously at the high school, you know, on a, a social studies course. So, um, um, we we did spend a lot of time clarifying how much synchronous time we were going to have online, especially at the elementary level each week, each day, so that students could get support and then also setting up one-on-one time for students to meet. So uh, the quality um, content is, uh, I think we need more of it, especially at the K-8 level. Sure. So I think that probably gets even more to the point of needing to train your own teachers and putting those experiences in an an online environment. Can you tell us a little bit how you approach that training model in your district? Yeah. Well, when we we first started during the pandemic, we had uh, daily training that was offered like this. Um, But again, we wanted to make it clear that if, hey, if you already know how to do uh, set up a Google Classroom or you already know how to post announcements, you don't 
you don't need to come, but here's a reference guide. But if you need support, hey, you can go on and you can get a video training. You can get one-on-one -on -one coaching support during the day. We did that every day. So people could go back and watch the video or get it live. Um, and then we continue that in the fall with um, allowing all of our teachers to go through the Michigan, our high school teachers to go through the Michigan virtual training that you do with your online teachers. And that allowed all of our teachers really to understand you know, the pedagogy of teaching online, what that looks like differently so that they could best support students. And again, it was it was very rushed. There are things we would certainly do differently, but I think the, the fact that we had some expertise in the ranks really helped us just allow teachers to get support and help um, no matter you know, what, what, what stage they were in with online learning. Sure. Kristen, quick question. What group did the best with online learning? What age group would you say <laughs> was the most impressive in the past year? Well, our elementary was face-to-face -face the whole year. So between middle and high school, um, I think we, I would have to say probably just uh, high school because we've had to, we've had, they've had so many pivoting challenges and it's the flexibility of a student being able to do it face-to-face -face in a hybrid setting or online. I mean, we put a system in place that allowed them to be able to do that. As difficult as it was, it, it created a system that supported students no matter which uh, learning modality they were in. Kristen Flynn, Executive Director of Student Achievement at Caledonia Community Schools. Thank you for your time today. Thanks for having me. And you've been listening to Learning Matters, presented by Michigan Virtual. On behalf of my co-host, Ann Craft, I'm Ann Thomas. Thank you for listening and learning with us, and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.